0: The Avalanche crushed the Lightning 7-0 in Game 2 of the Stanley Cup Final. Can the Avs ride it out, or will the Bolts bounce back? We've got that, plus the Flyers' decision to hire John Tortorella as their new head coach, all coming up on this Locked On NHL podcast. Your Locked On NHL, your daily podcast on the National Hockey League. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome to the Monday edition of the Locked On NHL podcast. Gil Martin, so glad to be with you. And thank you for making Locked On NHL your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. And it's my pleasure to welcome back to the show a familiar face to Locked On NHL viewers and familiar voice for Locked On NHL listeners, the co-host of Locked On Avalanche, Chris Maselli. And Chris, had to be a great Father's Day weekend for you.
1: (laughs) Uh, You know, my kids make Father's Day great. Uh, This year, the Colorado Avalanche made Father's Day great. Uh, It was just nothing that we had expected, you know, from uh, a Stanley Cup. Final game to, to be that lopsided against that goalie who that, that was the question mark going in. You know, the, the goalie situation was could could the Avs hang. And right now it's, it's not let, that Darcy Kemper is playing out of his mind because the, the Avalanche defense is just protecting him. They had yep. 16 shots thrown at him. And if he can't if he can't stop those. Uh, then, then the Avs don't deserve anything. But God, it was just uh, you know watching the Avalanche all season long. This this is nothing new for them. Like they haven't changed their style of play. They haven't changed their game plan. They are built on speed. Uh, they rely on their their top units, but they have a lot of things that that the the depth in the bottom six need to do as well, and they're doing it from from top to bottom. It it it's a sight to see.
0: Yeah, I mean, what you talked about the speed, but obviously we didn't expect the speed to be this effective. Uh, where yeah. you, you seven goals in, in a Stanley Cup final game, what is happening that is causing this one sidedness uh, to take place? I,
1: I, I hesitate to say this because the Lightning are a you know a, a well seasoned team. But I think they—they're they're just nervous. They—they are nervous to do anything uh, that will—it will—it will relate to a mistake, and the ABS are going in the opposite direction because they can't keep up with them, and it is—it is visible. So I, f- I just feel like Tampa is just gripping their sticks a little too tight, and feel like they have to be perfect with everything. With every single pass, with every single line change, they have to be in perfect position because they feel like if they're not, Colorado can and will and has just turn the table, 180, go up ice, and Tampa can't stop them. So I just feel like... And I don't mean that Tampa's playing like this nervous game where they don't know what to do. Like they forgot how to play hockey. No, they didn't. They just... They're going up against the team that they haven't. They faced them twice during the regular season. They lost during the regular season. I know that doesn't really matter now, but the abs have have amped it up. And Tampa's like, we don't know how to stop these guys. Like we'll we'll, we'll make headway and we'll give it our best on the offensive side of things. But if they get ahead of steam, Tampa doesn't have many people that can stop them. You know, they, they have Braden Point is a is a speed demon. He can't. But. That's one guy on all of your lines that can keep up with the Avalanche, who have five or six guys that can skate near, you know, nobody's above like Nathan McKinnon in his speed, but that can do something comparable to him. And I just feel like Tampa's like, we, we don't have uh, the roster to hang with, with these guys when it comes to speed and the depth.
0: Yeah, it, it really does make a big difference. Talk to me a little bit about Andre Burkovsky. I mean, he's come up with some pretty big goals, obviously, in this series, uh, <laughs> including the overtime game winner in game one. What has made him so effective?
1: Well, the interesting thing with him now is he actually stayed back in Denver a day because he, he came out of that game a little bit early. He got hurt. He got a puck, kind of hit him in the hand, and he never came back into the game. So he he's kind of up in the air right now for Game Three, but he's he's been there. You know he he has all of the the assets to be a really really good hockey player. He's just inconsistent, um, and that's been his M O. all throughout the season. He he had a hat trick one game, and then he didn't score for like. 10 games or something like that. So I don't know the exact amount, but it would, that that's just what you get with him. So for the abs, it's, you have to ride him while he's hot. And I'm not going to say he's like <clears throat> been incredible lately, but he's, he's catching on at the right time. He was, he was a, a healthy scratch in previous rounds just because he, he was the, the, the abs have that capability of Replacing guys because they have such depth and even in depth in guys that aren't playing. So Jared Bednar felt like, hey, like I'm going to rest him for a couple games. We, we will likely bring him back. Nobody thought he was shelved for the entire postseason, but I have some guys that come in, see what they can do. And then because of injuries and things like that, Burkowski had to come back and he takes advantage of it. So uh, it, it, right now he he's and his defense has improved too in in the in the postseason. Nobody really looks at him as a defender. He's he's really not like the greatest, but his effort level is is there, and that's what you want from guys in the postseason and, and your depth players. So he has a really good wrist shot. He he has offensive capability is off the charts. It's just all over the place. But if it's if it's gonna benefit the abs in the Stanley Cup final. Uh, I think we're all good with that.
0: <laughs> You're up to nothing. You're coming off about as one-sided a Stanley Cup final game as I think I've seen in my lifetime, and I can go back, you know, to the 1970s. Hmm. Is there any danger of overconfidence here? Can the Colorado Avalanche keep the foot on the gas uh, heading yeah. into Tampa?
1: Definitely, definitely. I, I don't think they are not looking, o- or I should say, overlooking anything. And uh, it's actually a good thing that Tampa is their opponent, uh, because if it wasn't, maybe you might like if this was the Rangers, and if the Rangers had won, I, I'm not saying there'd be overconfidence, but I think the the Avalanche would be like, this team can't can't hang with us. If this is the way it went against the Rangers, like it would have been a completely different series, right? But because their opponent is Tampa Bay. They're not sitting there thinking, like, this is all Tampa Bay's got. They know that's not all Tampa Bay's got. They right. know they still have an all-world goalie that they constantly have to pepper shots at. Um, no, they're, they're, not, they're not overconfident at all. And if you saw Kale McCarr give the uh, interview right after the game was over, he, uh, he think it was with Emily Kaplan, right on the bench, and she said, are you celebrating tonight? And his one-word answer was no. <laughs> and that was it. And, and he's like, thank you for the interview. Um, they're, they're not, they, they are not overconfident. They, they, they want this. They will celebrate when it's uh, four victories.
0: Last question for you. Uh, in the chess match that is hockey in a series like this, what do you expect the lightning to do differently at home in game three? And how will the avalanche respond?
1: Uh, I, I, well, you got Adam coming up, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, he's he's a better one to ask that question. But from from the outside looking in, in terms of Tampa, um, I think they just need to be kind of heavy on the puck and, not, and and not worry about if if the Avalanche are going to get their their chances. Tampa's just going to have to deal with that and say like, hey, because there was a couple breakouts that they had, and Vasilevsky stopped them, so. You kind of just have to, you know, like when when uh, Jordan would play, you're just like, Jordan's going to get his points. And I'm not saying the Avalanche are going to get their goals, but they're going to get their opportunities. So you have to try to stop, give, you know, get in the shooting lanes, just do all of the simple things. You don't need to, like, really convolute this, but you have to, you can't hang with the Avalanche in 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 the speed department. You can't. So you kind of have to like say, okay, what do we have to do? When we have offensive possession, we just have to cycle. We have to be strong on the boards. We have to just do the basic hockey things. That's what's going to – there's times where, where Tampa does have some good puck possession and some good looks, but it's, it's just few and far between because the, the Avalanche defense right now is just stepping up. They're causing turnovers. They're causing havoc. It's tough. It, it's going to be a, a tough haul. Uh, if the Avalanche keep playing this way, I should, you know, throw that in there as well. It's not right. just a, a given that this is just over, but man, like the, when you see two teams out there right now and it's this lopsided, it's a tough question. Uh, and, and, and I will be listening to hear what Adam has to say on that <laughs> truth. Right. Yeah,
0: we'll be interesting. Chris, why don't you yeah. tell our listeners and our viewers where they could find the podcast and where they could find you on social media?
1: Uh, podcast is L O P N underscore avalanche on Twitter. And, uh, if you want to follow my handle, that's in the, uh, profile of that, uh, of the show's Twitter page, locked on avalanche on Instagram and uh, our YouTube channel, search for locked on avalanche and subscribe to that.
0: So, yeah. All right, Chris, always a pleasure. Thanks again. Thanks, Gil. Today's episode is brought to you by your friends at BetOnline. Betonline BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's NHL playoffs and Major League Baseball. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. And BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite sports and events, including MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today to use your mobile device, or learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline, where the game starts. My pleasure to welcome back to the show the host of Locked On Lightning, Adam Danker. And Adam, I, I wish for you that these were better circumstances Let's address the elephant in the room. What went wrong <laughs> or what didn't go wrong may be the easier question. What happened in game two?
2: Everything. Everything happened that could have possibly have went wrong in that game, other than short of a, a massive injury to a player, which I guess is the positive we could grab from this. But Gil, uh, we were talking before and 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 I just got done recording my own show. And, oh, my God. I, I, even 24 hours later i i still can't it, it is and i said this on my show and i said this before to you but i will say this to the locked on nhl viewers and listeners this was the worst loss in franchise history hands down and we were talking about it and and i at least in my life and and you've been watching hockey way longer than i have i've have never seen anything like this uh, a team of the caliber of the lightning especially at a Stanley Cup final. Um, I can't even think the last time, even in any really championship of any of the four major sports that we saw, not only a lopsided score like this, but utter dominance. And And, you know, the Lightning have had their struggles with this and that all season long, but they were not only handed a huge, huge whipping by <laughs> – this Colorado team. Colorado exploited every single hole in their game, something that they Tampa has not
0: experienced in, in quite some time. How do you address the speed advantage that Colorado obviously has so far in this series?
2: Well, I, I think really they we saw them adjust to it in game one. In that second period, uh Lightning, you know, were a little bit overwhelmed in the first. Early stages, it was a little bit more the same thing. But as we progressed halfway through, especially once the Lightning got that second goal of the game, you start to see them really slow things down. And and I said in the pregame, in the preview shows uh, with the locked On Avalanche guys as well as on my own, is is really the key was to this series. Is that let's face it, especially on on the road in Colorado with the high altitude, we saw it last night. Zach Bogosian, uh, something that I think a lot of Lightning fans uh, didn't really notice at the time is. He, he he had the oxygen oxygen can in his mouth and he was sucking in more air and i think really that is something that colorado has done a good job of of using the elements to their their favor and and we you know you don't really hear that a lot when you turn talk about a sport that is played indoors mostly uh but you saw tampa uh you saw tampa really struggle to 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 hold their own out there on the rushes uh and but in that second period what you saw was them start to slow it down start to organize the offensive attack there was little you, you saw little flashes of it in game two but the issue there really wasn't so much that they were doing that gill is that they weren't getting a chance they were turning over the puck before they even got a chance to go on the offensive break they only had 16 shots on net all game all game which is wild if you really think about it considering all the weapons that they have and and really that's where it starts from is that this team has struggled with possession all season long and we've seen it here and there we saw it especially in the in the playoff series against the Leafs and with the Rangers uh this team goes through their little their mood swings where one night they play perfect hockey they do the little things right and you see it on the scoreboard and then you see what happened the last two games, uh, and it's really the inconsisten- inconsistencies that have really burned the Lightning in this series.
0: Is it easier psychologically <clears throat> in your mind to dismiss a seven nothing loss rather than if you lost both of the first two games in overtime? Or, uh, you know, how do you bounce back emotionally after a game like that?
2: You know, um, it's it's never easy, regardless of, of what time in the season you lose a game like this. And I think it's even more amplified uh, considering how little of a, of a fight back there was from this Tampa team. Um, they they did not. We, we kind of saw it towards the end. And I hate to say this, especially about my own team, but they quit. They quit on themselves. Uh, and there's no easy way to say it, especially with their goaltender still out there. Which, you know, some might criticize that decision. I and, and some people might say, "Well, you're going to kill his confidence level for the rest of the series." I think not. I think this is going to motivate Bazileski. Um, You know, I. The, it's funny. I was thinking of the whole Patrick Waugh incident in Montreal while you're right. keeping him out there. I don't think Vasilevsky was ever going to go up to John Cooper between whistles and say, "This is the last game I'm going to play." But I. I think he put him out there kind of as a message towards the team because I think he saw it too, as well as towards the fan base that, you know, regardless of how much, how far we're down in the series, uh, uh, in this game, we're, we're going to battle back and, and show that we're not going to quit. I think, you know, the, the, the one positive from, from this is that really from especially a loss like this, there's, there's no way but to go, but up. I mean, it really, it, like I said before, it really couldn't get much worse barring a, a, a massive injury. Uh, to to a to a very key figure on this team uh, this team really what it what you have to do psychologically is just take it shift by shift that's really what it comes down to this team really needs to take a step take a step back and say listen let's just go out there and play our game let's not worry about Racing against this Colorado team, we're not going to win. We clearly aren't. Haven't been winning doing that in this right. series, and I really think that that's what it comes down to: is 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 make clear decisions when you're passing the puck, especially in the neutral zone, uh, as well as defending your own crease, which we have seen Tampa for the most part do a very poor job of. So, I really think if they could take that mindset and said, "Let's just do the little things the right way," which we saw them do in the New York series. Uh, I don't see a reason as to why not they can't get back in this series uh, with the 2 games set that they'll have in Tampa, Uh, but it's definitely not going to be an easy uh, hill to climb, especially against
0: this Colorado team. Do you expect any lineup changes or strategy changes for Game 3?
2: I wouldn't be shocked. I wouldn't be shocked with John Cooper. He's always looking to change things. You've seen him change things here and there throughout the course of a game. Uh, I think really what it's going to come down to is you're going to see some guys getting a lot more ice time. Uh, Nikita Kucherov got a ton of ice time in, this, in the New York series. He didn't see – he he barely got 20 minutes in that game one loss in overtime. I think we're going to see a lot more minutes out of Nikita Kucherov. You know, I hate to say it even – the series is still early in the scope of things. If this goes seven, you know, this might be a decision, you know, that that could potentially backfire. But I think it's all hands on deck right now. I think – the Lightning need to treat game three as if it was a clinching game for the other team. Um, because, you know, if if they lose, especially in the fashion, again, that they lost in game two, I mean, the series is pretty much over from there on in. Um, I think you're going to see a lot of ice time out of Steven Stamkos, especially that top line, Stamkos, uh, Kucherov. I think you're going to see a lot more uh, point time on that line as well. Um, and, and I, I wouldn't be surprised if you see, if you see maybe Ross Colton get moved up here and there. I think if you don't see uh, a good effort off, off the initial puck drop or a good, you know, effect off the initial puck drop, I wouldn't be surprised if he kind of jumbles it up as we go along.
0: All right, Adam, why don't you tell our listeners and our viewers where they could find the podcast and where they could find you on social media?
2: You can find the pod at LO underscore lightning on Twitter, as well as locked on underscore lightning on Instagram. The pod is available wherever podcasts are distributed in audio form. We're also on YouTube, so go ahead and like and subscribe to the channel. Hit that notification bell as soon as the newest episode drops on either platform. You'll be notified and can listen to the newest episode. I'm on Twitter at Danky Dank, D-E-N-K-Y-D-8-N-K. Uh, you know, light uh, Colorado fans have not been shy about reaching out to me uh, <laughs> over the past couple of days, and and I love the rapport. Uh, you know, listen, they, they I think um, I, I they have everything to be happy about, Gil. Uh, but you know, you have to remind people it's it's a it's a best of seven, and you got to win four, yeah, you know, not two. Uh, you know, we we could blink and and talk about you know going to game game four that you know the lightning are one win away from tying this series up so you know it's that easy they've done it before uh like i said you know it's easier said than done uh, they just have to go out there and play the right way and we shouldn't have anything to worry about
0: all right adam danker always a pleasure thanks for joining us today
2: thanks for having me
0: it's my pleasure to welcome to the show a familiar face for those of you who watch every Friday. Uh, my co-host on Fridays, Rachel Donner, uh, host also of Locked On Flyers. And Rachel, how you doing today? Good,
3: it feels weird to be talking to you on a Monday as opposed <laughs> to Friday. It's
0: like, wait a minute, usually when I see you, it's the end of the week. We're all looking yes. forward to the weekend and now here we are at the beginning, but uh, certainly an eventful weekend for the Philadelphia Flyers they hire John Tortorella as their new coach. And let's just say the reaction in the media and among Flyers Nation has been kind of mixed. Your thoughts initially on the hiring of John Tortorella.
3: Yeah, we talked a little bit about this on the Friday show, but I think that you know, there are two schools of thought here for the Flyers in that a lot of people do believe that the Flyers needed a full rebuild and that Chuck Fletcher has decided that that is not what he wants to do and that he's probably feeling it's not a hot seat yet, but it's at least warm right now. And so he wants to turn things around a little bit faster and try and make some um faster improvements to the team. And when you're doing that, you need a coach that is very driven, very results oriented, all about accountability and has strong structure to it. Because just from an on ice perspective, like the things that I think the Flyers, I mean, the Flyers were bad at a lot of things last season, but I think one of the main ones was just a complete lack of defensive structure whatsoever that teams could just skate up, through the neutral zone, straight into the offensive zone and basically get set uh, with very little resistance. And if you look at what John Tortorella offers, he does kind of align with what those needs are. And so if you're doing what Chuck Fletcher is saying that he wants to do and have this aggressive retool and try and get a whole lot more wins this season than last season, Tortorella ostensibly fits that bill. According to his resume, you know, he's won the Jack Adams. He has a Stanley cup. He is a, an extremely successful winning record. Uh, but some will say at what cost.
0: (laughs) So where do you fit into that spectrum of between here's a successful guy, but at what cost?
3: Yeah, it's really tough because I think that having him as the head coach will potentially make some existing players on the team a little uncomfortable who don't like his style and maybe would want to go elsewhere. It could make some free agents less willing to sign with the team, although it could make some others more interested in signing with the team. And that's, what's so hard here is that Chuck Fletcher is planning on doing a lot this off season. Is he going to run into some problems with John Tortorella behind the bench? Now, On the other side of things, we have a current Philadelphia Flyer in Cam Atkinson who played with him in Columbus who absolutely loves him and was one of the first players to tweet a congratulations (laughs) message to him and is super excited about the prospect. We have another former Columbus player, also former Flyer in Scott Hartnell, who is equally as enthusiastic and In the introductory press conference that Tortorella held with Chuck Fletcher, you know, Tort said, hey, you know, I had a real rough time with Cam Atkinson getting along at first and I had to bench him a few times, but we figured it out. I got the best out of him. I think he will say that he's a better player now for having played with me. Scott Hartnell said the same thing, that they butted heads And it was really difficult at first, but they got to a place where Scott Hartnell said, yeah, I think he really did get the best out of me as a player. And I'm a better hockey player. I'm a better person for having worked with John Tortorella. So, you know, I I just think that in everything that's been said from the Flyer side of things and from Tortorella's side of things, we haven't really heard those other stories about the players that eventually got traded or the players that didn't work through whatever it was. And so I think we're going to have some some mixed feelings and mixed reactions from different players.
0: You, you look at the Flyers roster, and I know there will be some turnover between now and the start of the season, but who are some of the players on the Flyers roster who you think really will benefit from John Tortorella? And who are some players you suspect may not take very well to John Tortorella?
3: Yeah, uh, let's do the latter one first, because I think it's okay. a little bit easier. Uh, I think the top two names are James Van Riemsdyk, uh who plays a very particular style, and he's a net front guy, and he's not going to do much. Else, especially back checking and defensively like that's not his wheelhouse that's not what he does he's a power play guy he's a net front redirect guy dirty goal guy and so i I don't know that that matches with the defensive structure and the shot blocking kind of thing that torts likes Uh, to be fair he's probably on the short list for the flyers to either get traded or buy out so i I think he was going or they're going to attempt to get rid of him no matter what. The other interesting player is Travis Connecy because he is also not a fantastic defensive player. Uh he's definitely more playmaker driven. Um he's a little spicy out there, so I think that part of him <laughs> could fit well with Tortorella and, and his style, aggressive style, but I do think that um he may have a little bit of trouble adjusting. But again, he's kind of also one of those players that has been brought up as a potential trade possibility for the Flyers as well. So I think those are your two main players on the team that aren't really the best in terms of fitting in with a Tortorella system. As for those who could thrive, uh, he specifically mentioned Kevin Hayes and he has some really good ideas about how to get Kevin Hayes's game to be more complete and kind of get him back to where he was before the injuries that he had last season. So that could be interesting. Um, I'm also very interested to see what he could potentially do with some of the young defensemen in building good habits for them right off the bat. So like a cam York who got some time at the end of this past season, but the flyers were kind of lost in the woods (laughs) at that point. And so I don't know how much cam York benefited from his ice time, but I certainly think under John Tortorella, he really could like start off right and become a really um, dynamic, but deliberate defenseman. Mm -hmm.
0: So your prediction this year, short term, one year from now, are the Flyers a better team because John Tortorella is their coach or not?
3: I think they're a better team. I think that, I mean, it's hard to imagine them getting worse than they were (laughs) this past season, but I think they will have more wins. I do not think they're going to make the playoffs, but I don't know that he thinks they're going to make the playoffs either. I think expectations are actually pretty reasonable, but it's also pretty hard to tell because we don't know what the roster is going to look like. Again, with Chuck Fletcher saying aggressive retool, so many things could happen between now and then, so it's hard to prognosticate when you don't really know what the team looks like.
0: Rachel, why don't you tell our viewers and our listeners where they could find the podcast and where they could find you on social media if they want to follow how the Flyers do this year under John Tortorella
3: of course uh the podcast is at locked on flyers on twitter me and my incredible co-host russ cohen are there every day talking flyers i'm on twitter at r you can uh, follow me over there as well
0: all right rachel always a pleasure thanks for doing this
3: see you friday
0: and that's going to do it for this episode of the locked on nhl podcast want to thank my guests Rachel Donner of Locked On Flyers, Chris Maselli of Locked On Avalanche, and Adam Danker of Locked On Lightning for joining me today. Always a pleasure to see each of them. And thank you for making Locked On NHL your first listen every day. Uh, Also, we have an important favor to ask you. We put together a survey so we can learn more about listeners like you and make your favorite Locked On podcasts even better. This is your opportunity to tell us what you like and what you don't like about Locked On Podcasts. So go to LockedOnPodcast.com survey right now to get started. It won't take very long and everyone that completes a survey can qualify for a chance to win one of 10 $100 Ticketmaster gift cards. To take our audience survey, go to LockedOnPodcast.com survey and thanks for your help. That does it for this episode of the Locked On NHL Podcast. I'm Gil Martin. Always a pleasure to be with you on Mondays and Friday when I co-host with Rachel Donner. Have a great day, everybody. Stay safe and thanks for listening to the Locked On NHL Podcast.